very first recording attributed to the faith and mental wellness community. You know, I thought about doing these recordings for a while and just being able to expound more on some of the topics throughout my blog and that you all have been sharing with me. And so I thought I'd go ahead and give it a shot and ideally continue to offer podcast episodes for those of you who may want to tune in at home, on the road, or are just listeners rather than readers. So really the goal of these upcoming episodes are to be another variation or spin-off of some of the things that you'd see on my site, and that is content relating to the understanding and edifying of the Christian faith and mental health and how they integrate amongst each other, and really in a language that can be applied to your everyday life. You know, I use a term a lot that we are bio-psycho-spiritual beings. God created you, mind, body, and soul. These three things together represent your being and are the tools you use to live out the calling and purpose God has placed you here for. Amen. However, since we are imperfect beings and live in a broken and fallen world, any one of these things can go wrong and often do. Um, But the good news is, as you may have noticed, the topic and awareness of mental health has really grown into the public sphere in recent years. As we've gathered more research, celebrities are speaking out more, and social media has really picked up the buzz on recognition for things like Mental Health Awareness Month. So now, more than ever, you can find content in a heartbeat if you're wanting to know more about the conditions of mental health. And just to give you a little quick background on myself, I am an unashamed believer of Christ and studying clinical psychology major, so I appreciate your grace and support as we journey through these topics together, and I encourage you to talk about the things discussed here with your counselor, therapist, or spiritual advisor who knows you. Uh, I've been born and raised and currently reside in California with my seven-year-old son, Austin, who is my greatest blessing. I'm also the Faith Outreach Coordinator in my city for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, popularly known as NAMI, and basically look to partner with Houses of Worship to help educate and equip congregations on the basics of mental illness and how to support those around them. You know, ever since I decided to go back to school and pursue clinical psychology, over and over and over, I've been asked the question, Why this turn of events? What made you decide to take on the mission of faith and mental health? So for today's episode starting out, let's talk about it. Let's talk about why mental health. There's so many things in the body that need attending to. Um, So why mental health? And this episode specifically may seem a bit more informational for some of you, but I'm hoping that it will help equip you to have an expanded awareness to engage in the mental health conversation with those around you with a better understanding of what's going on. So for starters, what do we mean when we say mental health? What does that encompass? It can be such an abstract idea if you've never really dug into it, studied it, and defined it. So let's start with an operant standard definition of what mental health is. Mental health is our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. I would also say spiritual, absolutely. That includes your ability to cope with the normal stresses of life, to work productively and functionally, and some would add to be able to contribute to society. So to be a functioning member 
of society. Now, mental illness refers to all diagnosable mental disorders, and these are conditions showing significant changes in thinking, emotion, and behavior, and severe distress in problems functioning in social activities, work activities, and relationally and with family. So mental health is where the welfare of your mind is, and mental illness is a condition that is destabling your state of mind. Sometimes I, I struggle with numbers and statistics because while they help us gauge how widespread an issue may be, it can also make things a little less personal or relatable. But here are a few major statistics you should know because it is going on around you and most likely includes you or someone you know or someone you know but haven't tuned into that is currently struggling. So here are the facts you need to know. About one in five adults in the U.S. experiences mental illness in a given year. So one for every five people is experiencing mental illness. That's about 43 million people. Um, that means chances some are someone you know or someone in your small group or even in the pew behind you is struggling with a mental health condition. Half of all chronic mental illnesses begin by the age of 14. 14 has been noticed to be the onset year for signs and symptoms of mental illness. 75% show by the age of 24. And despite all the effective treatment that is out there, there tend to be very long delays between when the signs are showing and when people actually get help, sometimes decades of delay. What's hard about that is the longer you become set in the mental dysfunctions that come with mental illness, the harder it is to break out of that and make a recovery. Um, recovery is possible, but it just makes it more difficult. So that's why we encourage people to get help as soon as possible and to be aware of the signs uh, as a preventative. Now, mood disorders, including major depression, bipolar disorder, are the third most common cause of hospitalization in the U.S., and that's for both youth and adults between the ages of 18 and 44. So the third most common reason people are being hospitalized is for mood disorders, is for mental health issues uh, like depression. And suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., it is the third leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 14 and the second leading cause of death for people who are 15 to 24 years old. So yes, when we're talking about mental illness, much of it very much is a life or death situation in many cases. And when you know the numbers and are able to put a name to it and tie it in with either your life or the lives around you, you realize that this is not just an epidemic, it's a crisis. And the more we understand, the more we can move forward to getting the help we need or be a relief for those around us in a moment of crisis. Now that's what's going on in the U.S., but let's look at what's going on in the church real quick. So many of you probably know of LifeWay. LifeWay is known for being one of the largest Christian resource carriers in the world. You may have bought a book from them or a Bible from them. However, they have also developed a research program 
fun fact there. And a few years ago, they released a study of acute mental illness and Christian faith. And it was co-sponsored by Focus on the Family and the family of a man who endured schizophrenia. And the study was designed to help churches better assist those affected by mental illness. And I just quickly want to share with you some of the standout statistics that they found. For one, 59% of pastors have counseled one or more people who were eventually diagnosed with a severe mental illness. This is why it's so important for those of us who are in the church, either as laymen or counselors or leaders, to understand and recognize the symptoms of mental illness because most people who are struggling are going to go to their house of worship, their place of faith, and seek solace and counseling. So the work is really just right before us. 38% of pastors, less than half, strongly agree they feel equipped to identify a person dealing with severe mental illness and that may require a referral to a medical professional. So in this study, less than half of pastors felt equipped to be able to see and identify a person who may be dealing with mental illness and be able to refer them. So, you know, we've definitely got to get more resourceful and educated in that area. 23% of pastors indicate they have personally struggled with mental illness of some kind. 28% of individuals with severe mental illness agree that their mental illness hurts their ability to live like a Christian. 53% of individuals with severe mental illness say their church has been supportive, so that's about half of people. 49% of pastors rarely or never speak to their church in sermons or large group messages about severe mental illness. And 70% of individuals with mental illness would prefer to have relationships with people in a local church through individuals who get to know them as a friend. There's also a study I wrote on the blog featuring an article released by JAMA Psychiatry, and it revealed that women who self-reported attending church weekly showed five-time lower risk of subsequent suicide compared to women who never attended services. Obviously, this is one study and we have a lot of work to do, but just think about those numbers and chew on them. How does it make you feel hearing some of the statistics? And when it comes to talking about mental health and faith, I think one of the biggest areas we need to tackle is finding a proper perspective. And I'm going to go ahead and restate this from what I've shared on the blog before. And like I said earlier, we are bio-psycho-spiritual beings. We have biological factors, we have psychological factors, and at the core of it all is the spirit within us. And there are two perspectives I've seen that take kind of an overgeneralized approach to mental health. There's a secular or humanistic view, and it just kind of says that all we can address is what's observable. Spirituality is only useful when it helps behavior, but for the most part, mental health is about the chemicals in our brain, methods of therapy that have proven to work, and it's all, of, it's all about science. It's all a science. Then on the other spectrum is the absolute spiritual view. And this basically says that it is 100% a spiritual matter. 
people who think in these absolutes kind of don't consider the fact that God has made us to operate within physical elements and that he uses people through practical skills to help others. Um, automatic stigmas, unfortunately, birth from this view, such as mental illness, being a demon or a lack of faith. And this actually tends to be more harmful and hurtful. And that's also something I'm hoping that we can discuss um, at another time as well. Obviously, we know that we have an enemy. Um, and so here's the problem with both views for the Christian. The secular view doesn't take the work of God into account. We know we are not just flesh and blood, but there are spirits and unseen principalities at work. Ephesians 6.12 shows us that. It doesn't equip us in spiritual warfare or address the ultimate remedy for our broken humanity, and that is Jesus. And... You know, while the secular view isn't so embracive to the sovereignty of God, it still has practical skills and reasonable logic to offer. To completely rule it out would be ignorant. You know, even if your doctor isn't a Christian, they know how to fix your broken leg because God has given us the brains to use practical knowledge and common sense. We have to remember that God is the foundation of wisdom and he endows people with the gifts and knowledge for the benefit of humanity, even if they don't recognize it comes from him. And the absolute spiritual view, you know, doesn't have the balance of taking physical nature into account. We know that God can do miracles that supersede the natural. We know that prayer and deliverance can do a spiritual work in us that man cannot equate to in his own human limitations. However, there are times God also uses the physical for addressing the physical. There is a reason that Jesus became a physical man. There is a reason God used a physical sacrifice to atone for our sins. Because sin entered the world through man. It needed to be taken out through the same way it came in, through another physical man. And it was both a physical and spiritual work that God used to remedy humanity. So what we really need is the balanced, integrated view. You know, a proper perspective is one of the first big steps to overcoming stigma in the Christian community. That begins with holistic understanding. God heals through the spirit. God also uses practical wisdom. He uses people. He is not limited to operating in one way. When someone struggles with mental health and their mind isn't operating the way it should, it is the result of being human in a fallen world. Just like our bodies get sick, our minds can get sick. That could be because of genetics, trauma, biochemical imbalances, or any other physical ailments. It is not always a faith issue. Though spiritual formation should be present, we do always want to bridge the gap between where we are and conforming more into the likeness of Christ. But there's a balance of addressing the physical nature while building spiritual character. You know, when people ask me about why I got involved with mental health and mental illness and the church. Um, I would say a lot of it came from personal experience. Um, for me personally, I have struggled with mental health challenges, uh, more episodic. I was never chronically diagnosed, um, but just to be transparent, as a teenager, I struggled with self-harm and suicidal ruminations, just going through a very dark period. Um, I have experienced depression in a paralyzing way to where I could not move. I could not get off the couch and my body broke down. I've been gripped by anxiety and for a season of my life had to get serious help for it. Um, 
And anxiety and depression are both affective disorders or mood disorders and extremely common. You know, I, I, I believe that most of us have experienced these things on a spectrum. You know, a person might not have generalized anxiety disorder, but you may have experienced uh, the gripping of anxiety at, at, at some level of your life and same with depression. Also, I was a part of a lot of different ministries and church plants where it was rampant, but nobody could truly identify it. People trying to find freedom, but just mentally blockaded. Um, coming to Christ, but mentally the same. Because we know that coming to Christ is the beginning of God's work in us. People are walking into the church with baggage, trauma, hurts, and hang-ups. And, you know, the human experience doesn't just go away. You know, God, he secures our souls and he, he transforms us from the inside out. But we still carry these human experiences with us that may have shaped our brain in, in certain ways. And so... All of that maintenance still has to be done. When he fishes for men and women, he doesn't, you know, clean them and then catch them. That's not how fishing works. He catches us, then he cleans us. It is, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. He came for the sick. Mark, I think it's uh, chapter 1, verse 27. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. He came for those who are broken and recognize their weakness and call on him from the broken places in our weakness where he is made strong and glorified in spite of ourselves. So no, mental illness is not immune from existing in the church, but we do have a remedy and his name is Jesus. He is the healer of our souls and one day he will make us new. That is the hope we get to hold on to through the temporary sufferings of this world. We use these sufferings as one broken person walking with another broken person to the cross and he is glorified even when we don't feel we are enough. He meets our inadequacies to make a whole out of pieces. And you have to remember that your life flows from your thoughts. Your mind is the control center. It is the lens that you are seeing the world through. So when you're struggling with mental illness and dysfunctions, you're not seeing yourself right. You're not seeing the future right. You're not seeing the relationships around you correctly. It really creates an identity crisis of dysfunctional thinking. And as a Christian, you might not be seeing God's word right or believing in it for you and living the life he called you to live because you can't can't see past these mental obstacles. And it makes me think of Moses in Exodus chapter 3 when he's speaking to God through a burning bush and God is telling him that he's going to send him out. He says, you know, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. I need you to free my people. He's calling him. But Moses protests to God. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of of Israel out of Egypt, he begins to have a crisis of identity. There is a dysfunction in his mentality. He is seeing things through the eyes of his insecurities instead of as God willed and ordained them to be. And God is not man that he should lie. If he calls you, he knows what he's doing. He has a better understanding of reality than us because he is over our reality. And how does God respond? It's in Exodus 3.12. God tells him, I will be with you. 
That is how he responds to Moses' inadequacies. The creator of heaven and earth who speaks the word and wills his plans into existence and all of creation gets in order, says, I will be with you. But Moses, like all of us, continues to protest with God, going on about his deficiencies and what's wrong with him. And God tells Moses, and this is one of my favorite verses, I think it's so powerful when it comes to identity crisis. God says to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? God is saying, I made you. I formed you. I know you. I have taken all of you into account. I know your insecurities. I know what you look like. I saw that decision you made coming that turned your life around. I knew about the diagnosis before you did. I created you and I saw all your days laid out before a single one had passed. You don't surprise me. And it has not stopped me from choosing you and calling you because though you may be imperfect and a product of a broken world, that which is impossible with man is possible with God. And that's Luke 8, 27. In fact, you're right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It will all be in vain and eventually perish. But if you remain in me, you will bear so much fruit. And that's John 15, 5. We're going to uncover this more when we start working with the topic of insecurity and how the fall of man led to, uh, you know, a brokenness of identity and how God reclaims us specifically through our adoption in Christ. But when you are not seeing yourself right, when you are not seeing God right, it impacts the way you function through life. It propels or hinders you to show up for the calling God has on your life. This is why mental health. This is why we talk about mental health, because lives are at stake. So thank you so much for joining me for my very first podcast. If this has been edifying for you in any way, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on social media at Brittany Moses, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-M-O-S-E-S. Twitter, it's Brittany underscore Moses. And feel free to shoot me any topics you'd like to hear discussed in the future. And as Galatians 6.9 says, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Till next time.